As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. No, I don't think I will kiss you. Although you need kissing badly, that's what's wrong with you. You should be kissed and off. I mean, I love is, is too weak a word for the way I feel. I love you. You know, I loathe you. I, I love you. <laughs> two acts, yes. I... I know that a life without love is no life at all. Question for you, Michael. Okay. When is the last time that you've said, I love you? I love you? Well... Uh, to a product. <laughs> Wait, what? Are you asking me when I've last professed my love to a product? That is exactly what I'm asking you. Wow, okay. Um, well, I, you know, I, I use Slack a lot. I, I don't know. You uh, Okay, okay. Well, you realize why I'm asking you this, though, right? 
Yeah, well, I can, I can imagine. This is our products we love episode after all, isn't it? It sure is. And actually, I found a lot of people who profess their love for different products. They've professed it to friends, to the entire world and platforms like Twitter and all sorts of products too. I mean, everything from what you mentioned, like Slack and other tech products like Intercom to things that are completely different. Completely different. You sound pretty serious. This better be good. Oh, I am very serious, Michael, and you are going to hear all about it in this episode about products people love. You're not perfect, sport. Let me save you the suspense. This girl you met, she isn't perfect either. But the question is whether or not you're perfect for each other. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. In season four of Rocketship, we are diving into everything product and growth. Rocketship is brought to you in partnership with Product Collective. We're your hosts, Michael Saka and Mike Belsito. Now, we both dug in on this episode, but you got things started. Now, remind me, how did you find the people you interviewed? Were these your friends or... Actually, all of the people I had conversations with for this episode were complete strangers. I actually got a hold of them by kind of stalking them a little bit. I mean, I really, I Twitter stalked them. So you actually Twitter stalked people to get these interviews? I totally did. I went onto Twitter and searched for terms that people might use when they're talking about products that they love because I actually didn't want to hear from my friends. A lot of my friends... And they're similar to me. They probably like the same sort of products that I do. So I wanted to hear from people that actually had different backgrounds, maybe loved different products. And so how easy was it to find these people then? Were they willing to open up? So yes and no. I mean, people were willing to open up, yes. But it wasn't as easy as I thought it might be to find them. Um, I, you know, in using those search terms on Twitter, what I learned is that a lot of the times that people are talking about products that they love they're sort of casually dropping some sort of affiliate link in Twitter too. Oh, so they may not really love the product. They may just be trying to make a couple bucks. Yeah. I mean, you see all sorts of like health and beauty products and there are these affiliate URLs and yeah, you know, they're probably getting paid to say what they're saying. Um, And that happens a lot of the time, but there definitely were others that I found where it was different. I could tell that they didn't have any sort of incentive to profess their love of the product to the world. They were just doing it just because. And honestly, the conversations I had, some of them were a ton of fun. I mean, I got to chat with people from places like Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which isn't too far for where I live in Cleveland, but all the way to Australia. In fact, actually, it was Alice, a journalist in Australia, where this episode started for me. And Alice loved a product that you mentioned and I also love, which is Slack. But Before she would talk to me about Slack, there was something that I had to do for her first. Can you do me a super quick favor? Yeah. Can you say hello to my three-year-old? Of course I can. You want to say hi? Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. Yeah? Are you having a good day today? Yeah. You sure? What are we watching? Princess Elsa. Princess Elsa. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's actually pretty cute. I mean, how could I not say hi to her daughter, right? Anyway, soon after Alice's daughter left, we got to talking about Slack and how I found her on Twitter responding to somebody talking about something totally different, but how she sort of inserted herself into the conversation about how much she loves Slack. Yeah, Lane Sainty is a journalist at BuzzFeed Australia, and um, I follow her. Um, I work as a journalist, and um, 
she posted a picture of a conversation between her and one of her colleagues and I recognized it as the Slack interface. And in my current job, we don't have Slack. Um, but in my old job, we did. And I, so I just tweeted to her. I'm like, all I can say about this tweet is I really, really miss Slack. I love Slack and I don't get to use it anymore. And that makes me pretty sad sometimes. All right. So when Alice jumped into this conversation with Lane, it wasn't a conversation about Slack. No, that's the thing. The tweet that Lane had posted, it that was a conversation with somebody else about a podcast episode they were working on, of all things, right? But she included a screenshot of a Slack conversation that pertained to the podcast episode. And then Alice, out of nowhere, butted in with, the only thing I really think about this is, OMG, I love Slack. OMG, I miss Slack. Okay. So it was, it was, it was kind of funny. And I asked Alice if she could remember why she felt so strongly about loving Slack that she felt it was necessary to butt into this conversation. I don't know why I would have said, Oh my God, I love Slack. Um, I really miss using Slack. Um, I, I don't get to use it in my current job and I work remotely. Um, I worked remotely in my last job. I work remotely in this job. So being able to communicate clearly and quickly and effectively, um, but in a more conversational, casual style is actually really helpful. I find that very useful when I'm talking to my colleagues. So um, I suspect I just <laughs> I just bashed out a tweet for no reason without very much thought just to say, oh my God, I love Slack. Well, that's actually an awesome thing for Slack. They have people that are more than just customers. They're like fans of this product and that they do something kind of outrageous like that. Uh, But she said she misses it. Does she not use it anymore? No, she doesn't. And not really by choice. So she stopped using it because she changed jobs and her new team, they don't use Slack. Um, So I left my last job a year tomorrow. So literally 12 months ago, um, I stopped using Slack. In my current job, we kind of use a mishmash of Google Hangouts and Skype chat. But you don't have the same capabilities to hold multiple conversations in separate kind of channels um, dedicated to each chat. Um, I find, um, particularly with Google Hangout chat, like you lose history. So if you think, oh, what was it my boss told me to do a week ago? I don't think I've done that yet. You don't have the capability to go back and and find it in Google. I think you can in Skype maybe, but it's not particularly user-friendly. So with that that Slack search function, well, I really liked that because I'm a notoriously bad note-taker, especially for a journalist. (laughs) Um, Ah, that's such a bummer. And and sometimes, right, we we don't appreciate what we have until it's gone, right? (laughs) So That's totally true. So just because of a job change, now she has to give up one of her favorite products. That sucks. Yeah, and the way she talks about it, it's almost like it was a bit of an addiction that she had to get over. Not not necessarily an unhealthy addiction, but just, well, listen to the way that Alice talks about having to live a life post-slack after she basically had to give it up. Yeah, like cold turkey. <laughs> uh, I was pretty lonely for the first month. <laughs> um, um, I had to learn how to um, sort my email again, organize and file all my emails again. Um which was, um, well, it's kind of like riding a bicycle, I suppose. You never really forget. But it took me a little while to get used to that, having to do that again. Um, I, yeah, like I said, I got a bit lonely because I wasn't able, to, I didn't have that constant contact 
checking in kind of functionality um, that you have on Slack. I didn't have the capacity to make a silly joke with someone. Like to do that, you would have to pick up the phone. <laughs> so that that first month was it was a bit of an adjustment, that's for sure. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Now, back to the show. It's so interesting to hear Alice talk about not being able to use Slack, though. It was definitely more to her than just like a tech product. It really seemed to impact her life in a, in a really positive way. For sure. For sure. In fact, when I was closing up the conversation with Alice, she made it a point to make sure that we at Rocketship could help her relay a message to the Slack team for her. I actually want to give the Slack team a bit of a shout out. I think they're fantastic on Twitter. Like, um, I I used to t- tweet them. Like, if Slack was down or we were having a problem with Slack, you you could always tweet Slack HQ, and they would always reply with something pithy or funny. And I think I ended up flirting with someone from Slack HQ for a little while. There. <laughs> don't know my husband. You don't think anybody's actually going to tell Alice's husband about that, do you? I mean, I'm sure our listeners can keep it secret for Alice. I hope so. Alice was pretty cool to get to talk to. So, Alice, if you're out there, your secret is safe with us. We think. Anyway, (laughs) this is just one of the conversations that I had. And Michael, I know that you had another conversation with somebody as well who loved another product that resonates with you and me and probably a lot of other tech people. Ah, yes. I had a good chat with Jordi Romero. And the product that he loved? Intercom. I started with Intercom which I think is like a Swiss army knife for an early stage company. So I think it's like a business uh, command center where you kind of, for a while in, a, in an early stage company, you run everything through Intercom. So you do customer support, you do marketing, you do uh, product conversations, even metrics. I, for a while, you kind of run your business around Intercom and it's super useful because the setup is really easy. And uh, it makes it makes a big change. You go from having absolutely no control over your users, your messages, your open rates, your daily active user counts, to have a little bit of and everything. This is another product that strikes a chord with me personally. I mean, I use Intercom too, and I love it. And yeah, it is sort of a Swiss Army knife. It's helpful from a growth aspect. There's an aspect of customer success built into it. It's pretty useful when you're a company trying to learn from customers. Yeah, and for Jordy, using Intercom was all of those things, but also just in general an eye-opener for his business. It helped him actually see and talk to users that pre-Intercom might have just sort of stayed in the background. Well, I actually think for us, it was like, wow, we have users, you know, because when you, when you do, we have a web application, and when you deploy a web application, okay, you might have some traffic coming in, you might have some metrics, but the fact that you suddenly see them live, using your product, talking to you, moving around, clicking around, you're you know much more aware that there is actual people doing stuff on the platform you just built. So for Jordy, was Intercom something that he used himself or was it something he got the whole team involved in? Oh, this was definitely a team sport on Intercom. In fact, he used a pretty good analogy for what Intercom was like for him and his team. Like having a windshield in our car. So we we suddenly saw what was ahead of us. We could talk to customers, get immediate feedback on the features we were releasing. Back then, we were still quite small. Like I would say we were like five to six people, but the entire team was on intercom, reading and answering to all the messages. And I was like, what are you doing? You know, like this is only supposed to be used for like support messages and stuff like that. And we actually had the whole team reading through every single interaction in intercom. And that was was really valuable in terms of motivation and, and customer feedback. And again, 
I can completely relate as I definitely think intercom can be a central hub for a business, especially a small business that otherwise might have a tough time reaching so many of their customers and users. For sure. So with these first two conversations, we heard about Slack and Intercom, two products that us product people probably use ourselves or at least very familiar with. Did all the conversations stay in tech? No, not at all. I found somebody professing their love for a certain product on Twitter that is completely different than Slack or Intercom. Do you want to guess at what kind of product it is? Um... Well, you know what? Never mind, because you'll never guess it. How about roll-on deodorant? Wait, what? That's You're kidding, right? I am totally not joking. I had an awesome conversation with Lindsay, who is publicly professing her love for fresh. That's with a, a pH, which is a roll-on deodorant. <laughs> uh, well, for me, it comes down to if I think, you know, something is worthwhile, something that I'm using, something that I I do feel passionate about, even if it happens to be something like a roll-on deodorant. Um, I think what what tipped it for me is I went to a uh, expo called Expo East, and it was a natural product expo. So you go there to check out different products and see what products are kind of like up and coming and maybe what makes them different. And so I had the opportunity to actually meet the founder um, briefly and, you know, we just chatted and um, and then I went on Amazon and, and bought and bought their products because I wanted to try it out. And um, I just really liked it. I think that, you know, it was, it's something different as well, you know, in the, specifically in the deodorant space, if you will, there's uh, a lot of natural products, but they have baking soda in them, which can often lead to breakouts because of people's pH levels. And what I liked about their product is that they were actually uh, offering something truly unique and different that I haven't seen. And it actually worked for me. So I think the combination of those things um, is what prompted me. Wow. Well, that must be some pretty strong deodorant. I think it is. I mean, it is all natural and pH balanced, but I don't think it's just that which drove Lindsay to talk about it unprompted on Twitter. All right. So why do you think she did? Well, what I learned from Lindsay is that she loves products that have a story. And for her, there's actually a story behind Fresh, and it was the story that really resonated with her. She just had a really interesting story. That's something that also intrigues me about products is stories behind them. The fact that I got to meet her and just, you know, for me, I'm like, what makes you so passionate about deodorant that that's what you want to do for your life? (laughs) You know, I like to know those things because that can make a decision whether I buy a product or not, depending on meeting the person behind it or knowing kind of their story. There's a ton of products that I use based off of the story, whether it's the the person selling it, so maybe not even the company, or it's the, the company itself. I think the passion behind products too, I always like to see when people, because I'm just fascinated, like what makes you want to start a chocolate tart and macaroon business and go, you know, go global with it? Like I, it just, Because I I feel like, I mean, I write books and people think that that's, you know, a big accomplishment, which it is, but it's way different than trying to mass produce, you know, physical things and and think about distribution. And so um, I also think that there's a lot of work that goes into products and um, I really respect people that, you know, really decide to to go for it. Well, 
you know, it, it makes sense. I, I like stories behind products too. If I think about some of the products that I really love to use, there is always a story behind them. But wait, did did I hear that Lindsay is a writer? Yes. Yeah. Lindsay is actually an author. Um, she mentioned how she actually tries to collaborate with some of the products that she loves in an effort to promote her book too. Ah, so was there a promotional angle here? Well, you know, maybe a little bit, but not like those tweets with the affiliate links. In Lindsay's case, I actually think it is a little more authentic. I have my book coming out on uh, December 26th. It's called Eat Your Feelings, and it's a cookbook for emotional and mental health. And I break down all the recipes by um, by emotion, actually. So if you're sad, tired, stressed, hangry, or bored, that's how the recipes are broken down. And then they're broken down even further by craving. So if you want something sweet, creamy, crunchy, salty, or drink, you know, so if you're feeling sad and you want something sweet, there's a recipe for you. Um, and one of the things that I think, you know, has been helpful whenever it comes to just connecting with other brands and, and promoting other brands is really how I've kind of positioned some of this book launch because I was able to, uh, you know, call upon products that I really love that I've been using for years, um, to create some special giveaway incentives. I'm going to be doing some, um, pop-up pancake bars, some pop-up pizza bars with products that I eat uh, myself and that I really love. And so I'm getting these brands now connected to my book launch. So like I said, you know, you can, it wasn't, you know, when I say, Hey, I like this deodorant, it's never because I want something, but I'm just doing it because I truly love and care about these products. But now here we are some years later and, um, these products and I are collaborating, um, on something that's beneficial for both of us. So you had one other conversation for this episode, right? I, I assume we saved the best for last. I did, and it was a great conversation. It was with Natalie, who lives and works in New York City, which, you know, it, it's a, among other things, it's a fashion hub. And it just so happens that Natalie's favorite product is fashion-related. And it's actually one of my wife's favorite products, too. And that is? Stitch Fix. Ah, Stitch Fix. And did you also find Natalie through Twitter? I sure did. And I asked her the same question that I asked Alice and Lindsay, which is, why did you profess your love for this product, in this case, Stitch Fix, on Twitter? You know, Stitch Fix is one of those things. It's it's something that a lot of people in major metro areas use. Um, and it's something, you know, and being in New York, it's something that, you know, we're prone to basically every new company that comes out, every new solution, every new subscription, you name it. You know, we're, we hear about it all. There's a lot of conversation around how major markets are more prone to everything new that's coming out. But, um, and while that's true, you know, I'm from a tiny town in Florida, you know, in the panhandle and I still love these, um, like this sort of kind of subscription. It makes my life easier. I have been a huge fan of the brand for so long. Um, and why not just put a little positivity out in the world beyond what else is going on on Twitter? So what was it about Stitch Fix that made her really, really love it? Was it the model or the style of clothing that it sells? Well, I'll let her answer the question, but it's pretty much all of the above. Natalie talked a little bit about to her what made Stitch Fix so special. When it comes to shopping especially, I am not one for department stores. I'm not one for 
just kind of going out and browsing in boutiques from day to day. It's just, I cannot stand shopping. I find it to be completely just tedious and exhausting. Um, so with Stitch Fix, it basically makes that experience so much easier. It comes to me. I don't have to try things on in a dressing room. I can do it at my own convenience. Um, and so from a shopping standpoint, when I think about it, you know, I have stores that I'll go to from time to time, but it's the most repeated experience that I have from a shopping standpoint beyond, you know, kind of running out to a store on a Saturday afternoon because I need something for that night. Um, proactively, it's my it's it's by far the most repeated shopping that I do, um, you know, month to month. Man, this is is really interesting to see because, you know, as we look at these different stories about what people really love about a product, what we often don't see is the set of features that that they're really interested in. Totally. And, you know, that's why I thought this episode could be kind of fun, but also we could all learn from this as product people. I think some of the common threads that you saw was, hey, there's a story behind this. Or in some cases, like in the case of Alice and Slack, like it was the product, the the sort of the personal element behind the product that made it something that she loved. Yeah, the customer service was part of the delight that set her from a product that she really liked to a product that she was so excited about that she had to jump into the middle of a conversation to uh, to, to profess her love about. Yeah, and I think that we as product people can keep that in mind as we manage our own products because to your point, it wasn't in any of these conversations where it's like, oh, the number one reason I love it is feature X. It was really more than that. If you want to find out more about Rocketship.fm, go to Rocketship.fm. It's pretty simple, right? Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, so you don't miss future episodes in this series. And if you like today's episode, tell a friend. Or two friends, or a lot of friends. We would love it if you would spread the word. We, You could sign up for our newsletter. We have partnered with Product Collective, Mike Belsito's company, to bring you even more content each week. So if you sign up for the newsletter, you're going to get content from Rocketship FM. You're also going to get detailed product content from Product Collective, which is incredibly valuable. And as entrepreneurs, it's one of the most important topics for us to stay up on. So go to rocketship.fm and sign up for our newsletter. If you enjoy this content, leave us a quick review um, or tell a friend or share the link on Twitter. Anything helps to get the word out about the show. We really appreciate it. We'll be right back here in just a couple days. Cool. Did we get it? I think so. Okay, cool.